0: Hallelujah. When I think of his greatness, when I think of his sovereignty, I got to throw these long, lanky arms up in the air and praise him and glorify him and magnify him. I don't know when I think about the greatness of God, this six and a half foot. Body just gets so limber and free to worship Him and praise Him. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? That I believe there's been some discovery of the greatness and sovereignty of God to understand this simple fact. He's still on the throne and He's still in control. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Can we give him one more hand clap of praise this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, praise team. Wonderful worship this morning. I believe that they have helped prepare our hearts today for revelation in the word of God. Are you ready for the word? Say yes. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't the Lord good? Oh, isn't the Lord good? I know the music stopped, but is he still worthy to be praised? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we are just so excited this morning over the greatness of God, the goodness of God, the sovereignty of God. He hasn't lost anything. I told the 9 o'clock service, with all the things that have transpired and all the historic things that have happened with us as a nation and honestly with us as a world, God hasn't lost his omnipowers. You know what His omnipowers are? His omnipresence, His omnipotence, and His omniscience. God is still sovereign, and He has not lost any of His omnis this morning. Can somebody say amen? Praise the Lord. Amen. Very quickly, will you go with me to the Word of God? My Bible's going to be open to Zechariah chapter 4. I'd like to preach a message entitled, Small Beginnings. Small Beginnings. Zechariah chapter 4. In the text, I'd like for us to read this out of the New Living Translation. Then I'm going to jump over to the New King James version after I read the text this morning. But it says this. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple. And he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me, verse 10, do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. The seven lamps, we'll get to that here in just a second, the seven lamps represent the eyes of the Lord That search, somebody say search, Search. that search, somebody say all, all, and around the world. Father, we thank you this morning for the truth of your word. I, your messenger, am asking you today to use me to preach a now word to this congregation. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to have your way and move in whatever form and fashion you desire. I believe it, Father, that there is great revelation in small beginnings. There is great revelation in small beginnings. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. If you look through the Word of God, there is something you're going to find. You're going to find that the Lord provides and He gives powerful revelation in what seem to be small and minute packages. If you read through certain happenings in the Word of God you will find that things that should not have great significance when God begins to move they go from insignificant to significant for instance it was a rock that killed Goliath if you look at at it, God had promised to make a nation out of Abraham, and it all started with just the simple birth of his baby Isaac. If you look in, as we celebrated just a few weeks ago, the Christmas season, that a host of angels came, and angels came and announced the birth of Jesus to shepherds that were in the field. And all they were announcing was the birth of a little baby boy that they would find in a manger. God has a tendency to reveal great things in small ways and in small packages. If you also notice at the end of the drought that Elijah was believing the drought would be over. And when he had finally gotten report. After so many reports of there not being a single cloud in the sky, a report come back to him saying, I do see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And it was at the word of that cloud that was simply the size of a man's hand that says, son, you better get going because it's getting ready to rain. Son, you better get moving because it's going to come down so hard you're not going to be able to see your hand in front of your face. Son, it's coming so fast that you're not going to be able to travel. Son, it's coming in such a way that ditches are going to fill up and and, and I'll, I'll bring it to us. Southeastern Ohio kind of way You're going to have to start taking the flood route You're going to have to start taking the flood route The high water's getting ready to cover the streets That revelation came when it was just a simple fact That all I see in the sky Is the cloud the size of a man's hand Honey, the big rain is coming The big promise is coming It's time to wake up and open our eyes To see the small packages In the way God's revealing his big plan. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The book of Zechariah has kind of a central theme. It's just simply that it brings encouragement to a somewhat discouraged people. We've got a case scenario where there is a rebuilding of a temple that had been plundered and destroyed by Babylon. We've got a situation here that in all honesty the temple being the connection to the heart and now they're seeing it was almost like a, a piece of their soul had been torn out and had been ripped away and had been taken away and here The rebuilding had sat for so long and they needed to pick up the reins once again and start the building process again. And in fact, if you read at the beginning of the book of Zechariah, you will find that the discouragement was almost causing a wondering to begin to happen. The discouragement was leading into a backtracking and into a digression uh, into the former ways of their father but God rose up Zechariah with not a word of oppression but a word of exhortation uh, to the people of God to not fall into the ways of their father but to be encouraged finally we get to Zechariah chapter 4 finally we get to Zechariah chapter 4 if we could go to verse 1 of Zechariah chapter 4. It says, Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man is wakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, What do you see? So I said, I am looking, and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl and the other at its left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who walked by me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. So he answered and said to me, This is the word to Sarubabal. The governor, it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hand shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. For who has despised, this is how the New King James reads, for who has despised the day of small beginnings, small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line. These seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. Then I answered and said to him, "What are these two olive trees at the right hand of the lampstand and on its left?" And I further answered and said to him, "What are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the of the two gold pipes from which the gold oil, the golden oil drains?" Then he answered me and said, "Do you not know what these are?" And I said, "No, my Lord." So he answered, These are the two anointed ones who stand beside me, who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth, the Lord of the entirety of the whole earth, the whole earth. I just want to say that a couple more times, give it a a Pentecostal bam right there. The whole earth, the whole earth, the whole earth, the whole earth. Sovereignty, divinity, praise God, praise God, the entire earth. We finally get to Zechariah chapter 4. And it's compiled of these various visions that the Lord had given him. There's visions, and I don't want to get too deep into it. I kind of, uh, in all honesty, the book of Zechariah is one that you can get stuck on a rabbit trail very easily, especially when it comes to visions. But finally we get to verse 4 after several of these visions and revelations. They're promises of economic power. You've got promises of victory and overcoming after a time of defeat and suffering. You've got promises also in the very last one. And before we get to chapter 4, Zacharias sees, he sees the... The high priest Joshua and he is wearing uh, robes that are, that are stained and wearing robes that are soiled. And then the, the old is removed and these new clean robes are replaced. Uh, You know what that represents? It represents salvation and redemption. So in the midst of this time where they're discouraged over rebuilding the temple, the Lord reveals to Zechariah, you're going to be blessed economically. You're going to be blessed with victory. And now you're also going to be blessed with forgiveness. So right now in the topsy-turvy history the children of God are facing, God has supplied a promise of economics. He's supplied protection. He's supplied victory. And he's also supplied forgiveness. So these multiple revelations are given to the prophet Zechariah. And we get to verse 4 and verse 1 of, verse, of chapter 4. And the Bible says that this angel that was talking to Zechariah, it was almost like he was waking him up out of a sleep. He was bringing him out of a sleep. And he, he was kind of getting them to a place of reality and wanting him to declare and say what he was seeing in front of his very face. Breaking him and bringing him into... You, you, you want to know something about sleeping? There are some people. There are some people. I myself am one. I can, I'm can. i pretty much ready to greet the day. Is anybody here a morning person? I'm a morning person, okay? I drive, I drive co-workers crazy because I'm a morning person. Now, I'm not an afternoon person. Who is not a morning person? You can talk back to me. Say, hey, man, yeah, I'm not a morning person. Amen? I, I, I lose a little sanctification in the morning. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. I, I lose a little bit of sanctification in the morning. I don't want anybody to look at me. I don't want anybody to talk to me. I got dragon breath. My hair is everywhere. It's all, you know, it all in this direction. I'm telling you something. I think Jesus saved a lot of marriage when he gave us coffee. Somebody say amen to that. I said Jesus saved a lot of marriages when he blessed us with caffeine, coffee, and all those caffeine resources, maybe tea, maybe coffee, maybe Mountain Dew, Coke, whatever source of caffeine to kind of put a little bit of a jolt within our step. But there, there's something about mornings, though, when you first wake up out of a slumber. Your mind isn't exactly into a... It's not totally in tune with what's going on around you. Your mind is in different places and you're trying to figure out what's going on. I'm telling you that when the angel had woken up Zechariah, he says, I am pouring. It's like what's happening is after all this Spiritual revelation he's given to Zachariah. He's waking him up and says, Man of God, I want you to confess something in your reality. I want you to confess things into your reality. I've given you all these supposed either spiritual dreams or or dreamed within your slumber, but there's another place that I want you to see the favor of God, and it is in the harsh reality. I don't want you just to see me at a place where you're alone praying. I don't want you just to see me when you're in the church house. I don't want you just to see me working and operating when you're quote unquote having God-like moments. But what I want to do, I want to reveal myself to you in the workplace. I want to reveal myself to you in your checkbook. I want to reveal myself to you with your children and your nagging children and your house. I want to reveal myself to you when you walk in and you look at the ceiling and you see another leak up in the ceiling. I want to reveal myself to you there. I want to reveal myself to you when you get another call from your grown child who can't take care of themselves and they're strung out and they're lost. I want to reveal things to you in a crazy world so you see me working in the craziness. Let me tell you something, folks. God does his best in the craziness. God does his best when it looks like every all hope is lost and things are bound up and tied up and gagged up and and we're all taking big gas. We can't believe what we're seeing with our own eyes. We can't believe what is happening. But oh, thank God, we serve a God who brings revelation of stability in the midst of the craziness. Oh, my goodness. In the midst of the topsy turviness, uh, In the midst of the bad diagnosis. uh, You know know those dream places we go to at times? Uh, We like the dream places. Uh, We like the dream places. Uh, We like being in the church. I I mean, we can jump up and down and worshiping when we're all in one mind uh, and in one accord. Uh, But then we step out and there's a bunch of discord uh, out in the world. Jesus is saying, I want to show you... Just how much light I can shine in the discord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah! Let me tell you something right now, folks. My heart is breaking for a particular demographic. My heart is breaking for the 25 and under generation of this country because they are seeing things that are putting a spirit of fear within their hearts. They are feeling as if we are losing a stability. I don't want to go too far down this rabbit trail, but the responses I had seen on Facebook when the when all the events transpired in D.C., it was almost like they felt like they had nothing they can hope for. They had nothing they can lean on. It's almost like, whoa, wait a second here. Things are happening in Washington D.C. That's supposed to be the strong place. That's supposed to be the steady place. And now all of a sudden, this craziness is going on in Washington D.C. But it's at that very hour where God speaks to the prophets and to the preachers and to the teachers and to the evangelists and says wake up out of your slumber and see what I want to do. Oh, I said it's at an hour of craziness when the giant known as the church begins to wake up and realize something. See, the enemy thought he created a diversion this week. The enemy thought he created a diversion and a spirit of fear. But it's where I believe today that there are churches all over this country that are having revelations like our pastor had today declaring and saying, Jesus is one I don't even have to vote. Vote for he's the one who's in control, he's the one who's gonna get us out of the loopiness and the craziness and the instability. Wake up, oh man of God, see, declare what you see, hallelujah! Glory to God, my high, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, wake up, oh man of God, wake up. Wake up, wake up, wake up. The prayer closets are good, honey, but it's time to realize His power and might is going to be revealed in the reality. The prayer closets are good, the church house is needed, but He wants to reveal in the reality, in the craziness of your reality. And there's something about that lampstand. Throughout the Word of God, lamps represent light. The lamps represent light. Oh my goodness, I begin to see this week of how the enemy has tried to put this dark umbrella over things and over this nation. And I begin to see a big picture of all the darkness, begin to try to weigh down and oppress and overcome. You ever notice something? The enemy likes to make people think he's so smothering and he's so oppressive that there's no way out of it. But it's like when I go to the backyard in the middle of the night all I've got in my hand is the five dollar flashlight that I got at the dollar general and in the midst of that darkness I turn on that flashlight and the darkness does not stop the light from shining the darkness does not overcome the light but it is the light that overcomes the darkness, it is the light that supersedes the darkness and reveals its power because scientifically darkness has no power Over light, and I want to let the devil know this morning there is spiritual promise that light is going to outshine all the powers of darkness and wickedness. He will not have the next generation, he ain't gonna have them. He ain't gonna have them. Oh, my God, he ain't gonna have them. He's not gonna have the next generation. He's not gonna have the children and the grandchildren, but posterity is going to belong to the Lord. See, there's something about the prophet Zechariah. He was a contemporary to the prophet Haggai. He was a contemporary to the prophet Haggai. See, Haggai held a promise and declared a promise that the latter glory in the rebuilt temple shall be greater than the glory of the former temple. Let me tell you something grandma and grandpa mom and dad aunts and uncles you declare the promise that the best is yet to come the great days are yet to come the mighty things are yet to come hope is yet to come victory is yet to come joy is yet to come and all the things let me tell you something Sambok ain't gonna have a story that's going to compare to what's to come. Oral Roberts is not going to have a story to compare. There's going to be a new generation that's going to usher in a greater glory than what has been seen before. Ho! <laughs> oh. Praise Him! I need a break. Hallelujah! Ho! Oh, glory! hallelujah it was to a people who were discouraged and pained who discouraged and suffering lack of manifestation of promise will lead the human mind into dark places waiting periods are tough and they beat the flesh down and they discourage and they overwhelm to an extent that frankly in all honesty I believe the Holy Spirit is recalibrating something, a commission of just exactly what all this is about why we're in all of this I am not bashing anybody when I say this But I believe we're in a situation where a generation has been taught by preachers who have lost what it's all about. What it's all about. And I'll tell you this right now, I'm not knocking anybody, but the Spirit of a megachurch corporation is not going to build faith. The mentality of keeping up with the Joneses mentality of the church house is not what's going to save a generation. Because, truth be told, There are great powers in, quote, the ministry that are baptizing people and declaring them to be part of the church and they've never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And they've never repented. And now here we are. This generation sees something that even grandmas and grandpas didn't think would ever come to be. This very week. There are some of you sitting here today that are in your 70s and 80s and have never witnessed such an action. Where here they are, oh, but honey, more than ever before, let's bring them back to the truth of where the promise is. Let's bring them back to the truth of where the promise is. Hold up the blood bloodstained banner. Hold up righteousness. Hold up the truth of this word. You might be a little unpopular with your young adult children. You might have to hold up a banner and say, nope. Not happening in this house. Not happening on this property. We are going to lift up the name of Jesus Christ and his truth and his redemption. Honey, it's time to change and take off the tainted priestly garments and put on the ones that are clean and upright and holy before him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh. And now we get to Zechariah chapter 4. And what happens, it's almost like a funneling effect. The angel wakes up the prophet. And I kind of had this revelation, if you could humor me for just a second. Like a cake, cake decorator. Like a cake decorator. After making these massive amounts of frosting. They put them in the, those, the plastic funnel things. I don't even know what they're called. Okay? Icing bags. There we go. With the little nozzles at the end. But I've learned something about cake. You want cake that's going to taste good, it's just got to be in a metal sheet pan with the frosting slathered on top of it. That that right there is a sign of good cake. But they mix all the ingredients the Crisco, the sugar, the flour, and all, whatever it is that goes into frosting, and they put all that frosting into those funnels and they go over to the cake and bit little by little they add a little bit of frosting to that cake. A little bit of frosting. 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 frosting. Little by little by little, they make a pretty cake. Little by little by little. And then they create this beautiful vision of what once was just a blob of frosting is now a Ninja Turtle. That's amazing! It's cake, cake is like an art form. Oh, re- remember, remember the, the Cake Boss show? Remember that one? Oh, I don't think this was Cake Boss, but there was one time this show I watched, it was a competition. It was a competition, cake competition. And uh, they were doing Disney characters. I hope I don't get a silence this morning. <laughs> but there was this one cake... They, they were doing villains. That's Disney villains. They had Ursula from Little Mermaid and the, all the tentacles that she had. And I mean, they, they really had that down. But what cracked me up, I felt so sorry, was someone made the evil brother Scar from Lion King, you know, Mephasa's evil brother. Long live the king. And grabbed his hands. I'm like, dude, that's like one of the saddest scenes in Disney history. But they made Scar, and I felt so sorry for him because he's like in, you know, the lion the way a lion will sit on on, on its paws, kind of head facing forward. They didn't think about something when they built that cake. The head of Scar was not supported. So the video footage shows when they were showing Scar, his head was just kind of going down. (laughs) Now, if that would have happened before he got Mufasa on that cliff, that movie would have been a lot less sad. But these what 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 started out as just blobs and globs of frosting turn into these big grand and glorious cakes. The Lord revealed a vision to Zechariah of a lamp. And he had probably seen lamps before, but this lamp was unique because at the top of the lamp was a great bowl. And the bowl would distribute. There were like seven conduits out of the bowl that would distribute oil into the lamp. And in the midst of the lamp giving off light, you know what? Light also represents church. It represents hope. Do we got any children of hope in the house? I said, do I have any children of hope in the house? I heard a preacher say that the early apostles had dealt with the evilest of emperors. But did it make them think that the message was over? No, it made them carry the message on even further. Honey, let me tell you something right now. I believe the church is just at a place where we learn where the true hope is. And it's in the light of Jesus Christ that's going to outshine all the powers of darkness. Oh, my God. Lift up your head, saints of God. Because he has not lost or ran out of the oil that he's going to give to produce light. He hasn't ran out of oil. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Let me tell you something about those olive trees that were pouring oil. Some theologians believe that Zachariah was even seeing a type of shadow of the two witnesses that were in the book of Revelation. You want to know why I said that this morning? Because this crazy earth is not our home. There's a home in heaven and he's getting ready to finish the work and complete it. Let the world have their craziness. Let the world have their hopelessness I, I've got my hope in Jesus Christ and guess what daddy's getting ready to pick me up and take me out of this place oh my God. bless God I think I've preached 10 sermons this morning amen but he reveals to the man of God praise team will come please he reveals to the man of God this lamp And he sees, he says, I want you to see the power of light in reality. I want you to see hope. I want to wake you up out of this time of spiritual revelation. I want to reveal to you something. You tell Zerubbabel, you tell him he laid the foundation. He's going to finish the job. Quit being discouraged and start finishing the job. Because I want him to know it's not by might nor by power but it is by my spirit that this is going to come about. That's how it's going to happen. It's going to come by the Spirit of the living God. Finally, the word came to Zechariah. And he said, we celebrate the fact that the plumb line has been placed in the hands of Zerubbabel. The plumb line is simply just this cord, this line that has a heavy weight at the bottom and it determines levelness. It checks how level help me Calvin with like walls and such and how level something is. The plumb line is in the hand of Zerubbabel. But I got to take it one more step, saints. Zerubbabel was of Davidic descent. And we all know the greatest product of the line of David. In other words, what was happening there is that the line to make sure everything was straight and level is in the hands of Jesus. Zerubbabel has laid the foundation and Zerubbabel will finish the temple. The work that has been started will be completed. And you know the bumps that we have along the way in the road? They're just the things that's going to open our eyes to the fact of who truly has the plumb line in their hand. Who's keeping things level? Who's keeping things straight? Who's building the structure? Who's building the house? The house will be finished. And the glory of that latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house. I wonder this morning, is there anybody that would just simply say, Pastor Micah, I'm tired of the spirit of discouragement. I'm tired of the spirit of discouragement, a spirit that makes me want to run away and hide and give up and throw in the towel. I'm tired of the spirit that that is so distracted by circumstance. I'm declaring, and I'm going to rejoice. You want to know about the small things? The small things that we rejoice in is revelation of the big plan. That's why we rejoice in the small things. Because we know the greater is getting ready to come. If you're ready to break off discouragement, would you just stand to your feet and praise Him this morning? Would you just stand to your feet and praise Him this morning? Would you lift up your hands to heaven and praise Him?